Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lavery. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for joining me again this evening. I'm super excited about tonight's guest. Uh, I've watched a lot of videos with him, and uh, he's very informative, so uh, super hyped to get him on here. Uh, but before we get to that, this is the last call. Um, by the time this airs, uh, the event at Dale Hollow uh, Lake uh, in Tennessee will have taken place. So hopefully you all are all uh, signed up for that and uh, can come out and meet some of the Paddle and Fin hosts as we uh, kind of get to enjoy the lake and uh, some friendly competition with uh, some of our listeners. So I'm super looking forward to that and getting to meet some of you guys, getting to meet some of the hosts, uh, the other Paddle and Fin hosts that I haven't met in person yet. Uh, I've talked to pretty much all of them online, but uh, there are uh, quite a few of them that I have not yet met in person. So I'm super excited to get down there Um kind of get revenge from the first time that I stopped there because I was still pretty new to uh, fishing uh, new waters at that point. And uh, so I feel like I've learned a lot from the last time I was down there. So I'm excited to kind of put my newer skills to work and uh, see. Uh, plus, it's an entirely different time of year. Uh, last year, we were there in the fall or two years ago, I was there in the fall. And so uh, definitely uh, looking uh, pre-spawn, hopefully, um, It'll be a little more active than it was then. So uh, either way, I'm excited just to get down there and try it. Uh, it's going to be an adventure, and uh, I'm super psyched to look forward to that. Also, I uh, just wanted to uh, quickly cover again that um, we're still doing the uh, Bass Anglers uh, Kayak Series uh, Fantasy Series. If you go to paddleandfin.com slash fantasy, you can build your own team of the top uh, kayak anglers in uh, our sport and uh kind of compete for prizes we have prizes for each quarter so even if you're getting into the game a little late you're still not even out of first quarter yet so um still lots of prizes to be had so get on there build your team and uh see how you stack up against uh you know the other listeners and the hosts that have teams as well just don't look at my team because it's pretty terrible uh I, I have not been um keeping up with it as much as i should be but don't follow my example get on there and uh pick your team all right, guys. Well, that's uh, all the, you know, kind of general announcements we have. So without further ado, I want to bring on tonight's guest, Mr. 
McKeon Roberts. Welcome to the podcast, bud. Good evening. Thanks for having me, Sean. Yeah, no problem, man. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on with us this evening. Uh, I know uh, your schedule is kind of crazy, um, and I, I always that's a good thing because that means um, lots of things are happening. But um, I appreciate you taking the time tonight, sir. Of course. So um, for the folks that aren't familiar with you, um, just uh, let them know who you are, uh, kind of where you're from. And, um, you know, we can talk a little bit how you got into fishing. I don't know. Some people are lifers and have been doing a long time. And then others like me kind of got into it a little bit later in life. So it's always fun to hear how you got started. Yeah, my name is McKeon Roberts, and a lot of people call me Keys. You might have seen me referred to as Keys in some videos and stuff like that. It's a nickname that I've had for a really long time. And I'm an editor videographer for Wired to Fish. So we have how-to videos spanning multiple species, mainly bass fishing, um, but yeah, technique-driven how-to videos and articles for fishing. And so, again, yeah, I'm, I film videos, I host videos, and my main job is probably editing videos. Um, so that's what I do at Wired to Fish. Nice, nice. And how did you get started with them? Uh, did you kind of seek them out? or they Were they hiring and you just happened to catch on? Or This is kind of a, a dreamy scenario in a way. I like to, uh, I like to say they adopted me at, at the boat landing one time. Um, that's awesome <laughs> yeah i was uh i was working with a photographer at the time uh bill linder i was working with, with bill linder just kind of assisting and modeling and stuff like that taking him fishing uh, we'd get on bites together and and bill knew kyle and ryan um from their tenure at linder media um and so literally we just crossed paths at a boat landing one time and uh got to bs and they had just moved to the area here in northern Minnesota, uh, where Wired to Fish is headquartered. Um, so they moved to the area. I'm from the area, and I was kind of a resource for them. Uh, there's 1,100 lakes in our county here, so there's a lot of water. Wow. Um, and I had a previous job where I, I worked for the county, surveying for aquatic invasive species. So basically taking inventory on as many of those lakes as I possibly could. So I did that for a number of years. Needless to say, I know my way around the county pretty well. So I started out just kind of fishing with them. And I think that they realized I had some utility um, in explaining what it is we were doing on the water. And um, Ryan actually, you know, was like, hey, we're kind of short a man at Wired to Fish. Um, if you want to learn video editing software and if you want to learn videography we'll give you a shot so they're really patient with me i had never done it before and uh it took me a little while but here i am now so i'm forever grateful to everybody at wired to fish that gave me a shot they literally just kind of picked i'm a fish bum they just picked me up off the boat landing and, and gave me a shot and again here i am today so that that really is a fantasy story that's kind of cool man i um I, and i gotta say you know for you kind of learning as you go with your videography and stuff, I, I, your video quality is really good. You know, I, you know, there's a lot of uh, videos out there, uh, video content out there, and you can definitely tell, you know, some of the kind of different levels of quality. And I got to say, you know, I wouldn't have guessed that you weren't always, you know, a professional videographer, you know. Well, so. I, I learned from some of the best, that's for sure. I, I got training wheels up under me pretty quickly with these guys and, we're all very passionate about it and hopefully or obviously I guess that reflects in our content. You know, we just want to share what we love to do. So that's why we're here. 
and and it really is super helpful too. Uh, you know, not just you kind of really do cover the aspects of uh, the different uh, techniques that you teach, and and I really think you know that promotes learning in a in a, uh, an easy way for a lot of people to understand. You know, there's a lot of people who kind of just videos themselves fishing and don't really explain you know how they're doing it or why they're doing it, and uh, I think that kind of stands out. Like, how do you guys decide? Um, you know, you just pick techniques and, and go out and do it or, uh, what, what, how do you come up with your, the different videos that you're going to do? So we try to stay up on seasonality, um, whatever's current really, cause, uh, the cog is always turning, the wheels always turning and fishing. So we just have to constantly stay up with that. There's new products and techniques coming out all the time. Um, and then us being headquartered in Northern Minnesota, what is it? April, you know, it's coming on April right now, the 30th of March or something. Well, there's still three feet of ice outside the office right here, you know. So we go down south quite a bit and get with a lot of pros and stuff like that and chase seasonality from January in Florida until our season actually picks up, which is around May when we get those good water temperatures and stuff like that. Um, so what directs our content is, is definitely seasonality and what can we, because we try to turn things around fairly quickly. Like this will be helpful for people right now and hopefully across the country. I know this is like, I don't want to get long winded or difficult to understand, but um, being that we're like behind in Minnesota, obviously, like I said, pre-spawn and spawn in January in Florida, while we still got three feet of ice. Um, <laughs> we try to make it that people across the country can relate to the content and apply it to whenever their season comes into play, I guess is the, is the way to put it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, um, and I'm sure that that's fun for you too because it gets you fishing when, by you, there's not a lot of fishing to be had. So I'm a diehard ice fisherman. I love ice fishing. Uh, at I think at this age now, I'm starting to get a little tired of it because it's a lot <laughs> of work. It's a lot of work, and sometimes it can be very rewarding. But it's really nice to be able to take a break from Minnesota, go to spend a week in Florida, and go bass fishing with some of these guys. So. To your point, yeah, it is it is helpful to escape for a little bit in the winter. Well, that's interesting, too, because uh, I've been wanting to do a show on ice fishing uh, for a while. And uh, so maybe I'll have to pick your brain on that at some oh, point. Of course. <laughs> of course. But um, uh, one of the reasons why I brought you on tonight, um, I was kind of just uh, searching around videos on different um, lures that I was kind of interested in learning this year. And uh, one of those happened to be buzz baits. And um, I, I, have, I have a couple of buzz baits that I've bought. I've thrown them on kind of rare occasions, but never really had a lot of confidence in them. Um, and I've heard other people talk amazingly about them. And um, for me, I uh, just never had a lot of success. So I kind of wanted to, you know, do a show on the buzzbait. Um, we can definitely branch into other things too. If, if uh, you know, we kind of run out of things to talk about with the buzzbait, um, something, you know, that would be seasonally more appropriate. Cause I know buzzbaits might not be the greatest thing right now. Uh, for most of the people in the country, is that right? For most of us, probably, but it's definitely coming online uh, as as we start to see this spawn and, and post spawn. Top water is going to be a major player for sure, so it's coming. Spring so is the, a good time to throw top water. Okay, so that kind of leads me into the first question I was going to ask: What kind of conditions do you look for when you're when you that make you say, "Yeah, this is going to be um, a place where I'm going to throw the buzz bait"? You know, I think it'll be successful. So I guess the point I wanted to make with this is I think a lot of people are quick to throw a frog. 
And I love throwing a frog, a big rod, braid, giant hook set, you know, pulling fish through the slop and stuff like that. Uh, the thing with a frog is you can make a very long cast, but it's not a quick retrieve. You know, you're usually popping it in place and it takes a long time to get a frog back to the boat. Whereas a buzzbait is something that you're constantly retrieving, which allows you to cover a lot of water. Um, you know, now that we're in the spring, this is a, this could apply across the country, but as it gets warmer, the northern side of a lake is the warmest side of the lake. It's got that aspect where it gets the most sun during the day. So that could be an expansive bay or, like I said, an entire north end of a lake. And those fish aren't going to be all over that bay or all over that north end of the lake. So buzzbait is a really good way to comb around and then eventually run into that pocket of fish. Um, okay. So again, the difference there is you know, being able to cover water. And maybe when you do cover water, you can switch over to frog um, if it's appropriate. But Okay. Yeah, so you're losing, using it to locate the, the fish, um, you know, and then maybe switch up techniques once you find them. Um, yep. Okay. Interesting. Um, that makes a lot of sense because uh, it really does seem like you can definitely cover water because uh, it's a moving bait and, and uh, you're not having to work it as slowly as a frog. Cast in you know. wine. Cast in wine. That's a beauty. <laughs> so that, you know, that, that is often works too for, you know, our, our show is oftentimes kind of focused towards uh, beginning anglers and, and those cast in wine techniques tend to be the easiest ones to pick up because, you know, there isn't so much of a cadence that you have to figure out. Um, a lot of now that not saying that that doesn't help. And when you add changes into your cadence and stuff uh, that probably, you know, can uh, increase the amount of bites you get. But if you're just starting out, you know, those cast and wine um, techniques uh, tend to um, be something that beginning anglers can can pick up and kind of uh, get their feet wet and get find success. So great place to start. I, I started with a spinner bait, spinner bait being probably my favorite bait ever, even to this day still. And, there's some some pop in the skirt with that a little bit too and getting those blades to flicker but again it's a casting wine bait and it'll let you cover water and put it in a lot of in front of a lot of fish quickly so interesting so if you had to pick a, a lure to hand a beginner it would probably be a spinner bait yeah a spinner bait i will say i will say this um i think if you're like brand new to fishing or newer to fishing um you might not know where in the water column to run a spinner bait Again, it's a cast of wine type bait that you can throw a long ways, but um, there's a, you know, you can bump it on bottom and bump it into brush and stuff like that. But I think, and this might be getting off topic a little bit, but if I was going to recommend a bait to somebody who's starting out where the bait does a lot of the work, it's any kind of weightless plastic, you know, a fluke or a tube or like a floating worm, a zoom floating worm or something like that. Uh, not the fastest way to cover water, but you can just let that thing just kind of float around lackadaisically and uh, fish seem to be drawn to that. Not that they're not drawn to flashy blades or buzz baits, but um, to your question, I, I would give somebody a weightless plastic. Okay. Plus they're, they're snagless and you can throw them anywhere. Usually. Yeah. And that, that's kind of where I actually found my first success. Uh, my listeners will know it well, but uh, the wacky rig was my first kind of, oh yeah, now I'm catching fish finally, you know. Oh, absolutely. Because it was super easy to fish. And as long as I paid attention to my line and watched, you know, I could, I could tell when it, at first, when I first started throwing it, I couldn't detect bites. And so um, that's when I learned, you know, the art of line watching and watching for those little ticks and, or just your line swimming off in kind of the opposite direction. So, um, but yeah, the wacky rig was definitely my, my first kind of my gateway bait, if you will. 
that yeah. got me really into bass fishing because uh, it was easy and um, that, like you said, the bait does a lot of the work for you. That's a, that's the point I was going to reiterate is that uh, a wacky rig Senko does so much action on its own. You don't have to really jig it or pop it or anything. As long as you have a semi-tight line, those little ends are just undulating, you know, like that. And you can't beat it. It's, it's a dang good rig. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that um, t- coming back to the um, the buzz bait, uh, yeah. I've heard a couple of different um, ways. Um, you know, some people. I was just listening to the Tackle Talk podcast. Um, Andrew Hayes does that t- podcast, and he was talking about um, running his buzz bait, buzz bait more like a wake bait, where he's kind of running it just under the surface. Um, and I initially, when I you know heard about uh, buzz baits, I always heard that you wanted those blades to be up on top, maybe even squeaking. You know, I've heard about people hanging them from the rear mirror so they get all squeaky and rusty and the squeakier, the better. So I was curious what your, uh, your thoughts on that were. Yeah. When, when you, when you brought up the topic of buzz baits, I was like, Oh man, this is going to open up a can of worms for a lot of people <laughs> because it's, it's very preference based. Um, and I have my ways of fishing it that I've learned from people like Gerald Swindle editing videos from Gerald Swindle. Um, and just my experience where I, I really kind of stick to one thing with a buzz bait. That said, um, things like speed and I guess color or trailer selection um, definitely depend on the body of water or depend on the water temperature of the mood of the fish. So, um, yeah, to start with speed, you know, you want to make it easy for them sometimes. So if you get that really low gurgle that's just kind of making that subtle waking action, Certain fish cannot stand that, whereas certain fish like it running away from them, and that triggers something in them. That's that reaction bite type deal, you know. So that is situational, I, I would say, when it comes down to speed like that. And, and again, it's like once guys get used to a certain technique that's successful for them, it's kind of hard to turn away from it, you know. So right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. Um when you're uh throwing the buzz bait so you're you're are we gonna say that you do want to be or your preference is to be kind of uh 
on top or or subsurface? Um, I'll I'll definitely or, do both. I would say the majority of the time I'm burning it. I'm I'm covering water and I'm getting that thing running away from cover for sure. Um, that said, if you're casting to isolated targets like a laydown or a patch of lily pads or something like that that's a good time to slow your cadence down a little bit and spend a little bit more time in the strike zone, right? You know, for the most part, you're just trying to encounter as many fish as possible by covering water and burning it a little bit. Um, that said, the speed is directly related to the sound that you're going to make. And that depends on the type of blade that you have. Um, and again, sometimes you want that gurgly noise. Certain fish love that. Some, some fish like that squeaky high pitch noise too. Um, you know, so for me personally, I, I think I like I like that higher pitch buzz a little bit more. Okay. Like okay. And um, is that uh, when we're talking about gurgle, you know, everybody, you know, the Whopper Popper was a huge craze for a while. And I think that kind of has that glub, glub, glub kind of gurgle maybe. Or is it is, is it a different kind of sound that you're getting from a buzz beat when you're doing that? It's definitely a different sound. And uh, you can imagine just about anything where the faster it spins, the higher the frequency, you know? Um, so, you know, a whopper plopper has got a way more throaty sound. That's kind of a different category unto itself. We can say, you know, um, yeah, I'd say just that higher pitch for me personally is what I'm going for. And uh, when you're throwing that, uh, are you usually uh, looking for a certain water depth that you're throwing over the top of, or just generally when the bass are looking up and you know when top water starts to come in, that's why you're doing it, or, or are you covering shallow water more, or or um, I doubt it. It's going to be a big column up from the deep kind of bait, but I guess it's possible. You know, we're learning a lot of stuff right now with forward-facing sonar about fish that slide off over 70 to 100 feet of water that are only 5 to 10 feet down. And we've caught smallmouth that are hanging out on humps, say a hump tops off at like 5 feet of water. Um, those fish get pressured on that hump, will actually move off the hump at the same depth off into open water. So they're actually still only 5 feet below the surface, and you can still throw a top bar on them. Like, you know lakes uh with small with spotted bass in them that tend to school over deep water uh and and chase schooling bait fish that's a really good time to throw a top water even over like i said 70 to 100 feet of water um, interesting that wouldn't have been my first guess but that's interesting it sounds it's, definitely it's reasonable. pretty cool it's and again it's one of those deals where um if fish are suspended over deep water there's nothing holding them you know so you need a bait that you can kind of dissect and encounter fish with. Um, for the type of lakes that we have around here, natural lakes that are generally shallower, we don't really have schooling fish. Like I said, on the occasion, we'll get those smallmouth that kind of come off the top of a hump. But I'm fishing top water in shallow water when they're looking up. And there's two times a year when that's going on. And that is, you know, spawn, post-spawn, even pre-spawn. Sometimes in the pre-spawn, the water is a little chilly for them to be chasing top water. But um, when you get that spawn, they're guarding nests from bluegills and buzzbaits can be a great, um, you know, mimicker of a bluegill, um, just pesky, you know. And then after the bass get done spawning, the bluegills spawn. So again, it's a, it's a good mimic of a bluegill. And um, I think that throwing it in shallow water, um, 
makes it less of a needle in a haystack scenario. Um, so I think fish can hear it from maybe a, a greater distance uh, in shallower water. Plus it makes more of a commotion in a way. Now, like I said, two times a year to throw a buzz bait and that's spring and the fall. You can catch them all year round on a buzz bait. But the best times are probably spring and fall. And that coincides with when fish are shallow, when bass are shallow, when forage is shallow. Um, so, yeah, I did that video last fall. I love a fall buzzbait bite because fish are sitting offshore in 20, 30, et cetera, feet of water on some rocky humps. Well, when the water starts to cool and the shallow water is actually some of the warmer water, then they gravitate back there to feed. And that's a really great time to throw a buzzbait. So I generally throw them um, in the shallow water or around isolated cover, like lay down standing timber or docks. Okay. That's me. Now, uh, another question that I kind of had in it uh, is what really confused me when I first started throwing it. So was what kind of, uh, you know, water conditions do you look for? Do you want some chop on the water or, or do you like, I remember when I was, uh, uh, when I first got it and I had, uh, you know, watched a few videos and I went out to my lake and it was like glass, like first thing in the morning. And I was like, there's nothing else on the water that looks like this, you know, should I be throwing it now? Um, you know, I, I was confused. I was like, well, if I, if nothing else is doing this, then maybe they're going to be scared away by that. Or, or, or is that ideal? Is that what makes it attractive or, or something they're going to chase after? I like throwing top water in calm conditions more so than anything. Um, it's quiet. That usually lets that noise work more effectively. Um, you can see fish waking in from a distance in shallow water, calm water, you know, um, and definitely morning and evenings being better times to throw top water. I think fish are just out roaming around a little bit more and maybe not stuck in heavy cover uh, like they do in the middle of the day or stuck under a dock, which you can skip buzzbaits under a dock, just ask Gerald. <laughs> um, so I like throwing it in calmer water. The, the one nice thing about a buzzbait, I feel you can throw it in some trap. That something about that breaking through waves and interrupting that action a little bit is actually pretty good at times where you can't really do that with a frog as well. That gets lost with a frog. So buzzbait, whopper plopper, those are good topwater baits to throw with a little bit of chop. I think ideally, though, you're going to have more fun and probably be more successful throwing it in calm water. Uh, that's just kind of tried true. And like I said, those early mornings, flat calm, you can hear everything, watch the fish come in and whack it. Um, but yeah, I'd, I would say as it gets windier, just stray away from top water in general. But with a buzz bait, you can get away with a little bit more chop than you could with say a frog, like I said. Okay, interesting. Um, I know um, this particular one uh, uh, buzz bait that I got, uh, I was introduced to it by Juan Fruit, who's a smallmouth rivers kind of specialist. And he likes to throw this uh, kind of in ripples. Uh, he'll throw it in the calm pocket above the ripple, ripples and then burn it through, hop it over the ledge and then kind of come back through that kind of um slack water that is on the other side and uh he 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 definitely talked about getting hits right there where it's really turbulent and that surprised me because it you know it i'm like well with all that commotion it seems like you know the fish isn't going to be able to target that or or hear that you know the blades doing anything in particular but uh <clears throat> he swore by it so um i i you know i always forget that i have that in my tackle box when i'm in those areas but it's something I keep uh, wanting to try just because he swore up and down that it was definitely uh, uh, a great way to throw it. So, 
I think that's a really good point. Like you said, that one of the, you know, obvious things about a buzz bait is that it buzzes and it makes noise. Well, if you're throwing in a turbulent, you know, you can hear the riffle, you can hear the water moving almost as loudly as buzz bait. Well, then you're losing that factor a little bit. Um, I think a lot of times in rivers in general, um, fish are looking up. Um, it's shallower for the most part. And then um, fish are always looking up for things washing down towards them. So I think they just have their eyes up a lot of times in current situations, waiting for something to wash over them. And they only have but a second before it's gone, so they have to hit it. You know? So anything that's different or intriguing, they tend to destroy. Okay, interesting. That I mean, that makes sense. So um, that makes sense why it would work in that those particular particular scenarios. Then, um, while I was holding that up, it brought me another question to my mind. Uh, so this is particular particular one just has a, a curly tail grub on it and no skirt, whereas the other one I have um, has a, a full skirt. And um, Andrew Hayes from the Tackle Talk podcast was talking about throwing or t ripping the skirt off his and and thinking it was more effective that way. Uh, do you have a particular brand that you like or or you go more skirted or more uh, skirtless? Uh, and then what kind of trailer do you use? Yeah, so this is something I've been doing a lot more lately. And to me, I don't have a brand preference, but to me, the blade has to be black. I just don't I don't want anything too flashy or anything like that. I literally, um, and this is to the point of a trailer, so I prefer not to fish a skirt. And there's nothing wrong with the skirt. You can still totally fish a skirt. But I think the pairing for me is that dark blade that is a little bit indiscernible, that has a noise that attracts fish to the location. And then when they look up, they pretty much only have the silhouette of this plastic. It gives them like a sure um, thing to strike at, obviously. So a lot of people, you're seeing it more and more now as people actually putting toads on the back of their boat. I was going to ask you about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that you, people, you see people do that a lot more and more now. It's, it's been, you know, people have been doing it forever, but you're seeing it more and more now where people actually take super glue and push the toad up over the head of the buzz bait. Um, and the nice thing about that is, again, it gives it that bulky profile, something for them to actually see and strike at. And a toad has a flat surface, so you actually can skip a buzz bait. Like I said, you can put buzz baits in places that fish don't often see buzz baits. Um, so that's kind of a plus for that, for sure. My favorite would just have to be like a boot tail swim bait. It's pretty easy, you know. You're not necessarily ripping heads. I don't have to thread it, like, like I said, up over the head of the buzz bait. Um, and like probably a, a five-inch paddle tail swim bait of some kind with a little bit wider body up to it um, just gives that bait a profile that, that a fish can key on. Um, uh, one of the things that I had read like on when choosing different trailers is that the trailer kind of helps you sometimes stay up in the water column like a lot at the top when you're trying to you, you don't have to quite burn it as fast depending on the different trailers that you use because the the bulk of the trailer will allow it to kind of ride at the top of the water column and not sink so fast um that was one of the things um you know that i was reading that uh a lot of people do wrong is that they let the buzzbait sink too much now if you're waking it a little bit under the surface that might be good but if you're trying to burn it along the top of the uh water uh the water surface then i think you know if you have a trailer that lends to that whereas versus something that might allow it to sink a little faster, uh, that might be helpful too. That's very true, definitely true. Um, I like to think about it, um, like swim jigs is a really good example. Spinner baits and swim jigs 
the blades on a spinnerbait keep the spinnerbait up a little bit depending on what blades that you choose um, but if you want to keep it up and a lot of times you want to keep it up adding some bulk with a plastic will, will keep it up and that's the same thing for a swim jig for sure that you're fishing in really shallow water a lot of times and that helps keep that swim jig up so the same thing applies for a buzz bait exactly what you said you know if you're struggling to keep that that blade that buzz bait up on top of the water um if you can imagine just a skirt well that doesn't have very much weight to it you know so that's going to let the weight of the buzz bait take it down a little bit whereas a plastic will, will get pushed up by the water itself so to your point definitely easier to keep a buzz bait on top of the water with the trailer okay no that makes sense and um again uh that kind of leads me into another question um obviously your uh kind of real speed will uh, obviously help with that so are you uh throwing that mostly on bait casters like our higher speed bait casters or do you ever throw it on spinning um i know some of my listeners are uh, kind of afraid of bait casting um they are intimidated by it and i you know initially i was at first too but i've gotten definitely uh grown to love it now um but uh I know, I definitely know of, of people who only have spinning gear. So is it something you can effectively throw on spinning gear or just have to keep up with it or you're burning it? You're having to reel faster because most spinning gears are kind of lower speed. Yeah, you can absolutely throw it on the spinning gear. I would, a lot of times what you get with spinning setups is a little bit more of a limber rod and you don't want too limber of a rod. So if you had a medium heavy, um, medium, <coughs> medium heavy action spinning rod you could probably get away with it pretty well the other nice thing too um, regarding reel speed is that yeah bait casters uh can be faster but it also just depends on the arbor or the size of your spool so if you had like a 3000 size spinning reel you're picking up a lot of line with that reel as well um, so you can still effectively use um, you know spinning combo for buzz bait for sure um, you're oftentimes throwing buzz baits in places that are kind of sticky situations around vegetation, again, around standing timber, laydowns, or docks. And so you want a setup that can get you away from that structure, uh, get those fish from that cover so you don't lose them, obviously. And baitcasters cater to that a little bit more. But I would not deter somebody uh, from throwing it on a spinning combo. I'm pretty sure when I grew up, I probably threw it on a spinning reel for a while, too, until I learned the ropes. But that makes a lot of sense, uh, The having like the horsepower to kind of pull the fish away from the cover uh if that's what you're targeting it definitely makes sense and you're right the bait casters generally are the kind of beefier more uh you know capable rods for doing that um the you, you often hear the term you know winch it out of there you know and a lot of times that's kind of exactly what you're doing so so this uh, is kind of a strange thing and i, I wanted to talk about real speed when you're talking about trying to keep the bait up on the surface. So that's obviously directly correlated to how fast you can pick up line. And um, when you talk about winching, typically you're talking about a lower gear ratio reel. So with a lower gear ratio reel, you have more power actually. So it's a little bit confusing to understand that with a faster reel, you're picking up more line but with a lower speed reel, you have, you have more power to move that fish. So, you know, there's a lot of very high speed casting setups coming out right now. And I tend to shy away from them a little bit. If I'm, especially if I'm using like a cast and wine retrieve, let me try to finesse this a little bit. So if you have a slower 
gear ratio reel. You're having to work harder to keep that bait on the surface. Um, at the same time, you can too quickly move the bait faster than you want to with a high gear ratio reel. So there's obviously this nice little sweet spot. Um, when I was throwing it in the fall, I was throwing it around what we have wild rice here, which is like one of the hardiest weeds around. It's stiff. It is tough stuff. Um, so I had to throw it on braid. And I also wanted to keep the fish from getting into it, into the cover, obviously. Um, so I went with not quite a middle of the road ratio, but a 7.5 to one, not quite an eight, which is becoming pretty standard in a way. But I think like a seven to one or a 7.5 to one is a little bit more middle of the road because like I said, you're not fighting to keep it up and you're not having to constantly check yourself to slow it down. You know, there's a little bit more feel to having that mid gear ratio reel um, when you're fishing a buzz bait or fishing a lot of cast and wine retrieve lures in general. That makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, I, when I first started looking at uh, uh, gear ratios on reels, I kind of equated it to a like a, a bike, changing gears on a bike, because it, it made sense in my mind. Like when you're having lower gears on your bike, when you, you're in the roads, really low gears, it's harder to turn, but you're you're getting a lot of power. Whereas if you're in the high, really high reels, man, you can burn those pedals like crazy, but you're also not going anywhere super fast. You know, That's a great analogy. Yep, great analogy. <clears throat> So that makes a lot of sense um, um, that you really want to do find that sweet spot so that you still have the power to pull them out, but also the the speed to keep it kind of uh, you know at the top of the water where where you want to. When you're fishing a buzz bait too, a lot of times um, you generally always want to keep your tip up. That keeps your line off the surface, you know. So that keeps your line from obstructing floating vegetation or running into anything it really doesn't. Then it gets you in a good position to set the hook. You don't want to be too high because you're setting the hook behind your back. Um, what was I going to say with that exactly? Well, yeah, I was wondering. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so a lot of times I'm reeling with my reel, but I'll also be steering the rod. And as I steer the rod, I'm obviously pulling the buzz bait. So I'm stopping starting stopping starting if i'm weaving around like i said i'm, I'm pushing it into a, a log i can actually steer that buzz bait to bump right into that log or steer it right around a patch of weeds or something like that so it's not just reeling in one place it's definitely utilizing your rod and when you do that like i said if you had a slower gear ratio reel if you stopped reeling and moved with your rod you'd have to speed up a lot to catch up to where you were going you know and same thing, you can end up going too fast if you have a high gear ratio reel. So that's, again, where that kind of finesse comes into play uh, by being able to slow down, stop, uh, but not going too slow or too fast. Right. Hopefully and I, that's that's where you kind of branch out of that just uh, kind of chuck and wind, uh, straight retrieve kind of thing and um, really kind of dial in, you know, to those fish that are relating to that structure. Like you said, if you... Uh, bring it right around the end of a log or over top of a log, you know, and you're, you're going to get that ambush kind of uh, strike that, you know, you're looking for when you're kind of fishing that cover, the whole point, you kind of, the reason why you're targeting those kind of structures is so that, uh, you know, you get those ambushes. And sometimes those are the, the funnest blowups that you'll get when you just kind of pop it over a log and all of a sudden, bam, it just gets hammered. Exactly. So when, <clears throat> when I'm, when I'm fishing a buzz bait, I'll try to imagine a lane basically like okay if i make this cast i'll be 
by that thing and this thing and this thing. So I can hit like three or four, or however many different possible strike zones uh, by doing that. And, you know, like when you're flipping a jig or a plastic or something like that, where you're literally pitching it right to a laydown, let's say like a standing piece of timber or a laydown, um, you want to pitch it right to that thing, sink it and just let it soak there. Well, with a buzz bait, some kind of topwater bait, you want to cast past it and then bring it into that piece of structure. Because those fish are, again, waiting for something to just come by. If you just land right on it, they're going to go, what the heck, and it's already gone. You know, So you want to bring that by as many pieces of structure as you can. That's the beauty of using your rod to steer it into things. It's amazing how much you can get a buzz bait to stray just by steering your rod. And I, I think that would be a fun thing just to practice, you know, if you, you know, uh, maybe have some open water and you can just work, kind of get that, learn how you can steer it and, and just practice that. Now, um, when you're in your kayak, do you do a lot of standing when you're fishing? Do you find that easier to do standing or you're okay? Uh, it kind of works the same way sitting. I know sometimes techniques like that are sometimes easier to do standing, but sometimes, you know, there are some that actually do feel like they lend themselves better to sitting. I've done both, and I think that um, for me, um, standing is easier. It's definitely easier. Again, keeping that line up off the water. Uh, it's also important to note that as you get closer to the kayak, you can dip your rod a little bit uh, so that your buzzbait just doesn't come flying out of the water. You know, you want to stay on the surface as long as possible. So you'll actually dip your rod when it's getting closer to the boat. Um, but when you're standing, two important things. You've got more of a vantage point. So you can see where fish are coming from. You can dissect, uh, you know, a weed flat, or you can dissect what kind of structure you have in front of you. It's helpful to stand in that regard. And then I think it's easier to set the hook standing up with top water. Uh, I think you can reel down and just get a better hook set in the way. And again, top water is very visual. You can hear it, but it's very visual. So you want to have a good vantage point to when that fish hits it because that's another important thing is when do you set the hook and that that is definitely something that takes a little bit of learning with frog fishing and um topwater in general is that there is a a little bit of a pause there right you know you you have to make sure they got it um i know with frog fishing that was the hardest thing for me because you get so <laughs> excited when you see that explosion that you you want to just lay into them right away but you really have to almost count in your head you know, one, two, you know, or 1001, you know, just give yourself a little bit of time for them to actually get that fully in their mouth before you yank it out of there. So I struggled with that in the beginning with frog fishing as well, but then that became almost the most addicting part is that time period between the blow up and when you set the hook, it's like this time bomb effect. And that became really addicting for me. But again, with the buzz bait, I think what happens to a lot of newer anglers as soon as they see that splash they set the hook you know and you'll end up just going sending that buzz bait flying and that <laughs> fish is probably not going to come back um so i think the best thing is you can count you know it's it's hard to count exactly how long that is but, right you know like one and a half two seconds maybe if i had to guess um but i think the best rule of thumb in a way is when you're keeping a tight line on it keeping a tight line when you feel the weight of the fish, you know he has it, you know. Right. It's not always easy with a frog in a way because they're going to have you recover. But with a moving bait, you want to feel the weight of the fish before you set the hook. Right. No, and that, and like you said, the, you know, once you get accustomed to that, that's the feel that I kind of love now, feeling the weight of that fish. And you're just like, yeah, all right, I got this one, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, when you're talking about, uh, you know, standing up, I think uh, one of the things you had mentioned before was that you, sometimes when you're fishing shallow water, shallower water, you can actually see the fish kind of wake towards it. And I think if you're seated, either seated higher or standing up, you're going to be able to see that a little better too, because the blades are going to make some commotion. And if you can see past that and see that wake coming for it, you're going to know you're going to get hit, you know. Yep, there's that anticipation factor for sure. Not that you can't see it when you sit down. I think it just helps you be a little bit more prepared. Another thing with topwater fishing, and again, when you're talking about um, fishing shallow water in general, but more in that spring period, more in that spawn, post-spawn time, um, you want to look for life. So you're up in a shallow bay, you're covering water with a buzz bait, and all of a sudden these bluegills start breaking and pulling. Something's chasing those bluegills. Hurry up and throw right over to that exact spot because your buzz bait is going to look like the most injured of the bluegills. So it's easy pickings for that predator fish to come whack it, you know. So having that vantage point again, reading the water, the lay of the land, lay of the water, uh, I think that's a benefit of standing up for sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Okay. Um, and uh, one last thing. Uh, I know you were t- you talked a little bit about it. You mentioned braid. Is that uh, Do you do straight braid or are you uh, kind of braid to a some kind of leader? Uh, I know... Some people like mono for topwater because it, you know, floats and stays on top, but um, braid kind of does that too. Very touchy subject. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very touchy subject. And I was prepared for this because I have a preference. Um, I fish braid on more of my setups than anything. There's, there's some very fluorocarbon specific techniques and um, monofilament has always been, pretty uh standard for top water because like you said it floats plus it has a little bit of stretch now i would not be throwing monofilament when i'm throwing uh two big gaff hooks and a frog trying to bury two big hooks in the back of a bass's throat with monofilament because of all that stretch but like whopper ploppers and a lot of other baits poppers for that matter uh, stick bait stuff like that um have treble hooks and so you want to have something that will have a little bit of a give to it when you're fishing with treble hooks. It's really easy to rip those smaller hooks out. Whereas if you have a big gaff, you want something like braid um, that has no stretch that can, you know, bury into that fish's mouth. Um, when I fish buzz baits, there's two scenarios. It's not like there's a, there's not like a, you know, one size fits all. Yeah. One universal one size fits all way of doing things. Um, because I've made videos where I'm fishing straight fluorocarbon with my buzz baits. And, uh, and I've made videos where I'm fishing braid with a leader. And um, the reason, here's where I would probably fish fluorocarbon because it comes along more rarely. I fish fluorocarbon rarely 
with a buzz bait. That's what I'm fishing in a little bit more open, um, kind of just more open. There's less stuff to run into, less fish to kind of, or less things to pull fish from. That said, when you're fishing around docks and when you're fishing around wood, it's better to stray away from braid because braid does not go well with things that um, it can dig into, like mm-hmm. dock posts or wood or something like that. Um, so I, I kind of tend to fish fluorocarbon more when I'm fishing around wood and stuff like that. Um, where I grew up fishing buzz baits and where I fish buzz baits mainly is vegetation. And um, again, to the point of treble hook or single hook, buzzbait has a single hook on it. So I like to go with the school of thought of being able to bury that hook into the fish's mouth. Not kind of, you know, if it stretches, who knows how much puncture you actually got out of it. So braid helps you get a really solid hook set. The other thing I'm more comfortable with personally with braid is my accuracy in casting and my distance in casting. Again, we talked about buzz baits being baits that you want to cover water with. So I'm going to bomb a buzz bait as far as I can and screech it back. So for me, um, I can cast further probably with it, with braid um, and I get a better hook set. So that's where my confidence lies. But again, I tend to kind of avoid it when it comes to wood. Now you can fish straight braid and I love the saying straight braid, straight braid, just yeehaw, you know, <laughs> and I've, I've definitely done it and it's fine. But I think even without thinking about it at this point, I'm, I'm fishing some kind of fluorocarbon leader. Um, I think it, it helps mainly with invisibility. After a while, it just gets, it looks weird if you're using straight braid to me, it just looks weird. Like, and yes. so if you, if you make it invisible, it's way easier to, to picture this object that a pit, that a fish is going to you know strike. They're not, they can certainly see line. So it makes the presentation more natural. Obviously that's the goal of invisibility. Um, that little bit of fluorocarbon leader, that little bit of monofilament leader, if you choose to use that also is going to give you some stretch and stretch is important for when you get like a boat side strike. Um, sometimes like if you're, if you got like, you know, however much three, four, five feet of line out and you set the hook, that can be almost too much pressure too soon. So having a little bit of a give and cushion with a line that stretches like fluorocarbon or mono is really good for those scenarios when those fish hit boat side or right at the dock or right at the bank for sure. So I think in general, I fish braid with a fluorocarbon leader more than anything. When it comes to pound test, um, I fish a, a lot of 40. I really like 40. Wow. Okay. Because 40 is that kind of fine line between um, being too bulky and, um, and then if you get into like 30, that tends to want to, you know, sink into your spool a lot easier. That thin diameter braid will just sink into itself and you don't want to cast and, you know, it catches inside. Your oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think 40 is that nice little soft spot for me. And then if I'm using a heavy, heavier braid like that, 40 pound braid, um, I'm not afraid to use 17 or 20 pound fluorocarbon. It's still pretty invisible, but it's not being overpowered as much by that heavier braid you know it's a little bit better more of a unison pairing i guess and how what what kind of leader length do you like then at that point uh do you like good that's not that's not uh that's not as important that because they're generally staring right at the bait so it's not like 
Like again, and you're keeping a, your rod out of the or your line out of the water as much as you yeah, can too, exactly. right? So right, right. Um, and the other thing about that, and this is important when you're fishing in a kayak in general, is that you're lower to the water. So um, I tie Albright knots or modified Alberto knots most of the time, which is a pretty small knot. You know, it goes through my guides just fine. I still would rather not cast that 40 to 20 pound leader um, line to line knot through my guides. So I like to keep it at a length where I can make an accurate cast without having that knot come into my eyes, you know, on my rod. Okay. And so when you're in a kayak, a lot of times that's two or three feet, maybe. I don't think you need to go much longer than that. That makes a lot of sense. I know I, I've definitely heard of people talking a lot about that, that, you know, the more those uh, um, connection knots go through your guides, the you know, it's going to weaken them as you go. And, you know, that's when, you know, a recipe for losing fish that way as well. So um, the more you can keep it out of, out of your eyes uh, on your rod, the the better that's going to be as well. And at the, like, I, like you said, if you're keeping your, your line up out of the water, then the length of the leader isn't going to matter super much Not anyway. Much, no. Awesome. Um, well, I mean, that's uh, a ton of great information. I, you know, we've covered a lot of stuff. Is there anything else that you think, um, like somebody just, you know, kind of wanting to jump into Buzzbait should know, or, uh, you know, uh, where else to start? I think like anything, and this is going to sound pretty general, but I would say take a Buzzbait and just start throwing it in places, throwing it, throw it in places that you might not even think that you should throw it, you know, go ahead and get comfortable with it. Go off the end of the dock or public access nice clean, you know, patch of bank or whatever, where you can get used to keeping that bait on the surface, keeping your line up, boat off the surface like that, uh, practice the steering and stuff like that. But start throwing buzz baits in weird places. Even if you have one of the beautiful things I like about, um, here's, here's a weird thing, and I don't want to get too off topic necessarily, but I guess it applies. So there's times when I'll throw a spinner bait in very thick cover, like, like, We've got bulrushes or tulies, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'll throw them in super thick bulrushes. And especially right after ice out in the North Country here, all those bulrushes are laid down flat. So it's kind of hard to penetrate it. So I'll literally throw a buzzbait in thick toppled over bulrushes where the bull, the spinnerbait is just not even in the water. It's just tumbling over the bulrushes and then it'll hit one pocket. And it has about a second to spin where those blades actually engage. And that's when you're going to catch fish. So it's really fun throwing a buzzbait or even a swim jig, but a buzzbait in that scenario where you just throw it in something super thick and all of a sudden, as soon as you hit some open water, that buzzbait will engage and immediately start making noise. And if the fish is anywhere near it, it's going to crush it. So, I mean, yeah, it's a great place to throw, a great bait to throw in open water and cover water, uh, but throw it in little pockets like that too. That's a great way to throw it. And being that single hook, you know, it's going to be able to come through that stuff a lot better than, you know, say something with trebles or, like a whopper popper where you know that would just be a disaster. That, uh, would, trying to... that would not be as fun to fish with. No, you'd be surprised <laughs> how well, like I said, a spinner bait, how well a buzz bait comes through things, especially because it's got that shaft and that blade that are a lot of times pushing things out of the way that deflects a little bit better. Um, one thing that you have to be mindful of kind of the same thing with spinner baits, probably more important with a buzz bait though, is that as that buzz bait blade spins, it can pick up strands of grass and stuff like that. So there is a little bit of maintenance involved with a buzz bait because you want that thing spinning freely. Any bit of little hang up can, can really mess it up. 
And it'll also make your buzz bait not track truly. You know, we talked about steering it and stuff like that. Well, you want to be in control of that. And if your wire is bent or if you have a little bit of weed caught in that blade and it doesn't spin as well or maybe gets stuck, well, that makes your buzz bait run sideways. And that will get you in a bad position to set the hook. So be aware of your wire, whether it's bent out or not, and also make sure that that blade always has the ability to spin freely. So you kind of want it just pretty much straight in line if you're looking at it from the front that you want that kind of hook and everything and your wire to be straight in line with yep. the, the blades and everything. Straight in line, yep. Is there anything you can do? I've, I've seen it before a few times where your bu uh, buzz bait kind of wants to run on its side. Is there any way to kind of uh, fix that or, uh, you know, does that have to do with like the type of trailer you have or what causes that? Two things. Yeah. So the one we already talked about is the wire and, and it's really easy for it to be just off a little bit and make it run, you know, kind of screwed up. So you definitely want to want to keep your wire in check. And then if you have your um, trailer on slightly crooked, say like you thread a swim bait on and you have it slightly crooked, well, that'll push it away a little bit too. So you want to make sure if you're using a trailer, you have it threaded on nice and straight. Or even if it gets beat up after a couple of fish or something like that, there might be a chunk hanging off that pulls it one way or the other. That so makes a lot of sense. Two things that could definitely lead to that. Cool. All right, man. Well, we are coming up on an hour. I know uh, some of the times when I talk to guests and I mention, you know, oh, we usually shoot for an hour and they're like, how are we going to talk for an hour? And then we get talking and, you know, before you know it, it's an hour. So, right, right, yeah. um, I wanted to give you a chance to shout out um, uh, any sponsors or anybody that you wanted to talk about and also where people can find you and Wired to Fish online. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I could shout out to a lot of brands and companies like that. I've got a billion, billion favorites. I'm a tackle junkie and stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff that works really well. Um, so nothing real specific there. If you want to learn more about a ton of different tactics want to watch some of my videos, some of our videos, you can find us at, find us at wiredtofish.com. We've also got a YouTube channel and an Instagram channel, so you can find us there. Um, and we post videos pretty frequently. We were doing five videos a week. I think it's four and five right now, but as the season picks up, we'll be doing videos at least every other day through a seven-day work week. So, I was just going to say, you guys put out a ton of content, and I love that. I kind of look forward to seeing the new stuff. Cause like every time it's something new and usually it's, you know, tons of great information. So it always makes me want to go try. Oh man, now I got to go try this. Oh, well check that out. Now I got to do that too. And, uh, but it, yeah, tons of great con content. So keep up the good work there. Um, sure. yeah, no problem, man. Um, anything else you want to cover? No, I just, I'm really excited about this thing. I want to get people into the sport of fishing and if I can play a role in helping somebody learn or get excited about it, then, that gets me excited as well. So thank you for providing this service and for having me on the show today. Oh, no problem, man. My pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, tons of great information. Definitely, um, you know, sometime maybe next, uh, as we get into ice fishing season, um, I'll have to reach back out to you and see if we can get you on and, and kind of learn us a little bit about how ice fishing works and where to get started with that. Cause I know that's oh, a, yeah. Another huge hole to dive into. So that'll be a 10 part series, easily. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd love to talk about it. So yeah, hit me up. Awesome, man. Um, and um, if, if anybody wants to follow you specifically, do you have any kind of um, content that's just your own or is it mostly under Wired to Fish? Yeah, I, I, um, I kind of, it's, it kind of works uh, cohesively, I guess. Um, 
a lot of the content that I share on, on my page is from Wired to Fish or for Wired to Fish. But yeah, if you like, you can find me on Instagram at McKeon Hugh. That's it. M-C-K-E-O-N-H-U-G-H uh, on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. All right, guys. Well, um, thank you again for coming on. And uh, guys, if you want to check out Keys on Wired to Fish, definitely check them out. Tons of great information. Um, you know, definitely trying to get as much information out there as possible to help grow our sport and, uh, you know, introduce people to this sport that we love. And uh, I think that's a great way to do it. Uh, the information is super easy to pick up. It's it's done in a really good way. So um, definitely, guys, check that out. So um, this has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks and the tips to help you rip more lips. So, guys, check everybody out and have a good night. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddle and fin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures, your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.